Welcome to the World Nomads podcast, delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous, independent traveler. Hello again and welcome to this episode in which we head to Argentina. Uh, located mostly in the southern half of South America, it shares what is known as the Southern Cone with Chile to the west and it's bordered by Bolivia and Paraguay to the north and Brazil to the northeast. And did you know, Kim, it's the eighth largest country in the world? Well, I believe everything that you say. You're a font <laughs> of knowledge, so yes, I do believe that. In this episode, we're going to speak with our 2013 Travel Film Scholarship winner, Andreas Brenner. He will share his favourite spots. We'll introduce you to the Global Penguin Society, in which, and this is pretty cool, micro donations from World Nomads has helped fund. And Rafa Mayer, he's the founder of Sehekwe. Sehekwe. That is a company hosting tours in Argentina and Chile. But there's plenty to come. We can't get started without your quiz question, Phil. All right. Well, in honour of the World Cup, which is being held in Russia around about now, uh, Argentina is one of the most successful football teams in the world. But when was the last time they won the World Cup? The answer at the end of the podcast. Phil Martina writes several of our articles for World Nomads, and she's really a true um, world nomad. She was born in, do we say Buenos or Buenos Aires? How would you pronounce it, Martina? So we say Buenos Aires. So nothing that you said, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I knew that. Now, you you lived there and then moved to Denmark and then backpacked all over Europe. You currently live in New Zealand. You're a true world nomad. Um, But we want to have a a chat to you about Argentinian culture, what should travellers know, expect, eat to do, and, and some of those hidden gems in, let me get it, Buenos Aires. You're getting there. Yeah, you're getting you're there. better yeah, than yeah, most whatever. of my friends. Oh, thank you. Us Australians are a bit hopeless when it comes to sort of putting the putting that little sexy twist on things. But yeah, look, go ahead. Tell us. Tell us all you know. Spill the beans. So okay. So right right now, I'm having mate, um, which, as I wrote in the article, it's like the main thing that kind of unifies. All Argentinians as a culture, um, and yeah. So this is uh, mate is like the thing that has um, presents all our values of sharing and how important friends are in our lives. Um, so mate basically it's like a tea, but instead of putting the tea bag, you put the herbs and then you pour water and then you sip through this aluminium straw. And foreigners always find it quite disgusting when they realize they need to share the same straw with the, these, like, 10 Argentinian people. Um, but, yeah, this is how we um, do it. So when I wrote about social etiquette in Argentina, I figured um, this was the main, the main thing I wanted to, to, to um, talk about. Uh, not to say that it's only Argentinian. It's shared with some other countries in South America. What other sort of national characteristics can we expect? So we, we are very intense in, in the way of saying we're very warm, we're very candid people, we like um, hugging and kissing. And it's funny because I've been in New Zealand for almost four years and Kiwis here say, oh, someone's suffering from PDA, which is like public demonstration of affection. <laughs> and I'm like, that's like the total opposite to us. Like whenever you um, 
arrive to a room, even if it's full of people, you will just kiss everyone. And so saying um, hi and bye takes ages, but you have to kiss everyone once you arrive and then before you go. Um, but we only kiss once, um, which I have so many funny stories. Um, when I was in Europe and I was trying to <laughs> kiss my new friends in the cheek because we kiss like in the right cheek. And they were like, oh, okay, this is unexpected. So they would try to kiss me on the other side because, you know, so many countries give two kisses. Well, this is true. And I think sometimes there are some countries have three Three, as well. There's a whole kissing etiquette. (laughs) We can do a whole episode about how many kisses you get. (laughs) And is it okay to kiss on the lips when you first meet someone? Mm. No. No. No, I'm not talking about a pash, just a peck. Um, not really. No. I, I mean, you, you would do it with like <laughs> some close members of your family, of your friends, but no, it's not, yeah, it's not really. No, that's, that's just you, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was you, just checking. Okay, was... okay so, so I would just say that you will get a lot of passion back. So, Ooh. yeah, you need to decide if you want to go for it or not. <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken a little bit about the culture then. What are some places that we should think about visiting that are off the, off the beaten track destinations? Um, I guess it depends what, what your expectations are. Um, like, if you're more, like, into cities and culture, um, there's one city that's usually not, like, the most well-known place to go but i love it it's like a cultural hub in the country um which is rosario so many many people kind of like skip this city because um people usually go like to the iguazu falls buenos aires and then bariloche and the glaciers um so they don't venture into like visiting rosario which is a gorgeous city full of beautiful stunning and amazing places and people is very nice and kind and then if you're more into more like isolated places or you want an off the beaten path very unknown destination you could for example head to Jujuy Um, there there are some places that are quite famous there but in my article I wrote about this place which is called Yavi or in Argentina we would say Xavi um, which is like this cute, very like small um, colonial town that belonged to the Golden Road, like from like 500 years ago. Um, this is like 3,500 um, meters high. Ooh. Yeah, it's an altitude town, and the amazing thing about it, beyond the the culture and the like colonial constructions, um, is that even though it's in a very arid place, there's a river. And it's like full of trees and it's like an oasis, really. So many places I can think of. Um, one of my favorites is, uh, it's called um, Pampa El Leoncito, El Barrial, which is like, it used to be a lagoon like a million years ago. And now it's just like this flat surface with like 120 kilometers an hour winds. And people go there with their, um, it's called Carrovelismo. Which is uh, is that like land yachts? It's so it's like you've got a sail, but you've got wheels like that. Or? Yes, yes, exactly. okay, a land it. yacht. Okay. Yes, yes, um, that's one of my other favorite isolated um, places. 
I have so many. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I know um, you've written a lot of articles. We can share those in our show notes. Yep, we'll put some links yes. to the articles. Fantastic, yes. Martina. Thanks very much okay, for talking to thank us. thank you. Andy Brenner, as we call him, was the 2013 winner of the World Nomads Travel Film Scholarship. His travels have taken him far and wide, from living with tribes in Sumatra and the Mentawi Islands to hiking up to 5,400 metres in the Nepali Himalayas. Well, World Nomads editorial producer Ellen Hall has caught up with Andy on her recent visit to Argentina as part of the World Nomads Writing Scholarship. So, I am here with Anders Brenner, and he is our... Well, why don't I will let you introduce yourself, so... Um, hello, Ellen. <laughs> I'm Andres Brenner. I'm 33 years old. I'm from Argentina. Um, I'm a filmmaker and traveller. So basically what I do is I travel around the world and I try to look for interesting stories to share with people. Just travel, find stories, film, and then share them with people, mostly through world nomads. Actually, you were one of our uh, scholarship, uh, film scholarship winners, correct? What year was that? Yeah, it was in 2013. I applied for the Travel Filmmaking Scholarship and I won, so I went to Mardi Gras, to New Orleans with Brian Rapsi. It was amazing. And it was like a big push for me, the World Nomads uh, Filmmaking Scholarship. And since then, I have been working uh, with World Nomads, and right now I'm shooting uh, microdocs um, about cultures around the world. So basically what I do is I travel to different countries, I look for stories there, I film these stories, and then when I come back to Argentina, I edit them, and then World Nomads share those stories online. Um, so, and you are, uh, you say you're, you're from, from Buenos Aires, you were born here, is that yeah, right? Yeah, I am from Buenos Aires, I was born here in, in Palermo, where we are right now. It's a, a nice neighborhood. When, actually, when, when I was born here, long time ago, uh, it was not, it, it has been always a, like a beautiful neighborhood, but it was not as touristic and as fancy as it is right now. So right now I don't live in Palermo anymore. I live a little bit more far away, but I do have Palermo in my heart, you know? Like I used to be, um, what, what today is Palermo Soho, used to, there used to be nothing here, just houses. So most of the shops and restaurants and bars that we see today here in Palermo Soho, to, yeah, uh, some years ago, when I was a when I was a kid, there was nothing, only houses. Actually, one of my good friends' house right now is a, a restaurant here around the corner. So, okay. and I was telling Tim the other day that this this square here, which is like the the main area of Palermo Soho, is a Plaza Serrano, yeah. the Serrano Square. That one, when I was 15 years old, we used to come here, and there was nothing. We used to come here with, our, with a guitar, you know, to play guitar at night, ah. to have a drink, but it was everything brought by us. There were no bars, nothing. Wow, because it yeah. is really hopping now. It's totally different. Now is a place where to be. If you go out in Buenos Aires at night, you want to have a drink or you want to eat something, in every, not everything, but many things happen in Palermo Soho. Yeah, we've been having a great time here. Um, but there's lots and lots of great neighborhoods in Buenos mm-hmm. Aires. So uh, where would you suggest um, that uh, visitors come? If they only have a few days, where can they come and get a really good, authentic Buenos Aires experience? Um, I think San Telmo 
it's, it's important to go to San Telmo. It's very nice. It's where you can find more of the traditional culture of Buenos Aires, like the tango scene. And also for food, there are some street markets during the weekends. Um, that's a, an interesting place to get to know you. It's like a must, you know. And then other neighborhoods of the city, of course, Palermo. And then if you have one spare day, one extra day, I would really do recommend to, to go to Tigre. It's a, a city, it's like an hour ride in a train. And then there you can take a boat and you can get to visit the thousands of islands that we have here. It's a, we have a big river coming from, down from Brazil. And there's a big delta, this delta is in the Rio de la Plata and between like the delta the delta is formed by thousands of islands and there is people living there and like locals and it's very interesting it's like a completely different experience but still close to the city so you can do it in a day tour and it's very nice it's I think Argentina it's it's a very interesting country and it is so big that Depending on where you go, you get to see so many different things. For example, when you travel to the north of Argentina, the culture is uh, completely different. It's, it feels like, for people who, who is not from here, from Argentina, maybe they can feel it like a different country because uh, food is different, uh, people is very nice there. I think people is nice all around the country, but you see a difference. You, you see a difference and... The north I love, the Patagonia, Patagonia is amazing also, but Patagonia for me, I think it's more about the landscapes. In the north you get landscapes and you get also the culture and the people. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but um, do you have any other, what, uh, anything about culturally that you think people should know before they travel here? I think people is, people here is very, very open. Buenos Aires is a very cosmopolitan city. Uh, there is many people who speak English, so shouldn't be too difficult to travel to, to Buenos Aires. And I can recommend for people who loves food to go out. Uh, there, there is a kind of two different scenes. There are like the typical fancy restaurants, especially in Palermo is what we call the Palermo Hollywood mm. style of restaurants. And then you have the traditional restaurants, which we call bodegones. I would definitely recommend travelers to go and try one, two or three, some bodegones. The bodegones, they are like old buildings, traditional restaurants, maybe they have been there for 50 years or 60, I don't know. And you enter a bodegon and you will feel like the walls they speak because usually they have uh, pictures, articles from the newspapers, t-shirts um, from football players that are friends of the owner restaurants so they they would hang there. It's like a like a living museum, you know? Well, awesome. This is wonderful. Yeah, he certainly painted a wonderful picture. And great work, Ellen, catching up on the streets in there in Palamo Soho neighbourhood in Buenos Aires. Yeah, that sounded great. Though. Yeah, it's a, we should be doing more of that too on the road, I reckon. Well, I'd divert traffic into the podcast studio here. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Now, Ellen is not the only member of the team on tour. Sebastian, who you would have heard in previous episodes, is in South America. He's been catching up with our world nomads, and this time he is with local Gabrielle in La Paz, Bolivia, where she's just returned from seven years of travelling. Seven years. Seven years? Yeah. But where from? 
Well, um, the last place that I was, it was uh, New York. It's an amazing city. It's uh, so energetic, multicultural. Next place that I would like to go is Asia. I have to admit, if I can choose any place to go, it would be Asia and Vietnam. So what would you say is the best thing about travel? For me, it was that every single time that I went to a new place, you get to be a new person. You okay. get to try to maybe do something that you didn't do before. Apart from Vietnam, um, where would you like to go? I think it will be Laos. I like it because I, uh, I like the innocence that Asia has. I absolutely fell in love with Asia seven years ago. And what advice would you give to your younger self? Well, at the moment I will say that I'm really lucky of the things that I have experienced so far. So enjoy every day as if it would be the last one. Thanks, Seb. Pretty sure, though, it's time for you to head back to our headquarters here in Sydney. <laughs> Phil, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, that's too much fun. Come back, mate. Yeah, exactly. All right, what's travel news? Okay, Egypt has passed a law that, if implemented, will fine vendors from harassing tourists at uh, historical sites. The government says the harassment has put tourists off from coming to Egypt. I think there might be a few other factors. Uh, and therefore it affects national income and the country's image. One tourist interviewed about the law said tourists have the right just to enjoy historical sites without being obliged to buy something from local sellers. But really, do they? I'm interested to know, what do you think? Is that sort of harassment too much? Shall we ask for some emails about that one? Podcast yep. at worldnomads.com. Do you think... Banning, you know, harassing tourists is a good idea or is that just, you know, part of the privilege of where you go and you should maybe just help out the local community a bit? Good question. The crackdown on over-tourism continues with a political party hoping to take control of the city council uh, of Amsterdam and they've announced that they will ban fun rides if elected, which means no more boozy boat cruises on the canals or Beer bike rides, it's getting a bit out of control. They're talking about banning Segway tours as well, and I know they've already cracked down on news like pizza parlours and what have you opening up. The coalition of parties says it wants to halt the disnification of Amsterdam and return a balance between tourism and the people who actually do live there at the time. At the, there has at to the be moment. a balance. There has to be a balance. Look, I love Amsterdam, not for the obvious reasons, and... What I are the obvious reasons? Well, the Phil? coffee shops and the red light district, I know. <laughs> but the whole, but the point is, they they sort of attract a particular type of person, and you go there to have a full on party there. Yeah. Um, and I love if you can get away from that red light district, and if you get away from you know the cannabis shops, I think Amsterdam's fantastic. It's a really great place. I really love living there. My son went there, and something happened with a woman and a banana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Lonely Planet has uh, announced its best in Europe for 2018. This is kind of places which, you know, speaking of over tourism, are more undiscovered places that you should go to because they're not as overcrowded. And the Emilia Romana in Italy, so we're talking about Bologna, home of where they, you know, prosciutto comes from, nice. Bolognese sauce, all right? Cantabria in Spain. Friesland in the Netherlands, which is up in the north, I think. Yeah, it's quite, for in Dutch terms, it's quite remote. Remote, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's very nice. Kosovo, I'm not sure about that one. There's, you've, it's a bit difficult 
as far as crossing the border to get into Kosovo because it's not recognised as independent by Serbia. So, it, okay. look, we've got we've got something on uh, World Nomads Travel Safety uh, about Kosovo. So look it up. If you're going to go there, look it up. Make sure you don't get into trouble with your visas and what have you. Provence in France uh, or Provence in France. I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> Dundee in Scotland. I suppose you're going to Glasgow or Edinburgh, I suppose. The small Cyclades uh, Islands in Greece, Vilnius in Lithuania. I uh, have said I haven't been to Vilnius. I've wanted to go, but uh, I had a friend uh, a while back when I lived in Melbourne who was a Lithuania girl, and I've seen pictures of it. And Vilnius looks fantastic, beautiful. Uh, Slovenia, yeah, the, one of the undiscovered gems of Eastern Europe, and Tirana, the capital of Albania. And didn't we not speak to? Uh, Christina Tunner about her trip to Albania on the show. I think that was very early on. Very early on, but very we should get on. her back. But and there also, you go. She was head of the curve on Lonely Planet there. Thanks for that, Phil. It was awesome as always. <laughs> <laughs> now, thanks to micro donations from our travellers, I did mean that. We're proud to be able to support projects like the one that you are about to hear. The Global Penguin Society was uh, founded to protect and maintain a colony of Magellanic penguins near the popular. Patagonian beach town of Puerto Madryn. World Nomads travelled there to speak to founder, Argentinian marine biologist, Dr Pablo Garcia Bobogalu, who's recently been named the winner... <laughs> the winner... She's trying to trip me up, No, seriously. you're doing well I'm with doing the pronunciation. Right. He's recently been named the winner of the 2018 Gold Award from the Whitley Fund for Nature, an award so prestigious amongst conservationists that they call it the Green Oscar. I, I'm a researcher. I work for the National Research Council here in Argentina. But, uh, but then, like 15 years ago, I realized that there was a need to do something else with the science that was available. So I founded the, the, the Global Penguin Society, which is the international organization that pro- promotes basically the conservation of all penguin species and, and their habitats on land and also in the ocean. Uh, so I, I kind of have, I have a life as a researcher and I have a, another life as a conservationist. And what we do basically is we work on science, management, education. Um, we gather science that is useful for, 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 to guide conservation action but, and also create protected areas on land and in the ocean. Uh, and also we work with the communities and also with kids locally uh, and also globally. So what species do you, are you particularly interested in protecting or is, is it species across the globe? Yeah, it's all species because, uh, I mean, it depends on the year. Uh, like right now, exactly at this very moment, we, we have uh, scientific uh, uh, fieldwork in New Zealand, in, in the west coast of New Zealand, in Chile, uh, in Argentina. Uh, and then we also support actions in South Africa and in, in, in Galapagos Island. But then when we talk about policy, international policy, we, we do things that benefit all of the penguins. Like right now we're going to study the, the illegal traffic of penguins in all the world. So that is going to benefit all the species, you know. And when we deal with international waters and illegal fishing, fisheries uh, or fisheries in Antarctica, so we... We kind of benefit all penguin species. Hang on a minute. Illegal trade in penguins. What People take them as pets or what happens? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like we, for, for a while we have been receiving denounces uh, from different places and crazy things. So 
like for instance, for example, that uh, we receive a denounce that they were stealing uh, African penguins from Namibian islands with helicopters, or or like there's a, like a, there's a Chinese boat off the coast of Namibia capturing penguins, and then in in southern Chile also they were offering 200, they were buying uh, king penguins for 200 bucks. That happened like 10 years from oh, now. But and what did they do with them? Why are they why are they capturing them? Yeah, you know most of it it goes to Asia. Both basically, we we know that they go to private collections. Like it, it, it can be private houses, like rich people that they have everything they they can have, but they want something that can be very exclusive. So like a penguin in your swimming pool, very crazy. But at the same time, you know, with the with the improvement of Asian uh, economies, uh, there are a lot of aquariums that are opening. So they're demanding. And they are tempting uh, developing countries with a lot of money to get penguins, not always in the correct way. So this is what we want to find out. The magnitude, the, the nature, what countries are involved. And also, since we created also like a policy arm for our um, uh, penguin work, we created the IUCN Penguin Specialist Group. And it belongs to United Nations. So uh, when we, we identify problems, international problems, they go talk directly with the with the governments of those countries. Is this something that we can do as travellers? If you know, is there some sort of certification that you might find on an aquarium where we know, you know, that, yeah, that, that the penguins have been responsibly sourced? How can you tell? You know, well, should you go to an aquarium is a big question. But how can we tell, and what can we do to help stamp this out? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in the world. Uh, there are several organizations like associations of zoos and aquariums. Some some zoos are accredited, so they, they really fit the standards. But that is basically in the United States, in Europe, n not in all the planet. I mean, only there. Um, so when you go to other countries like here in South America, where I am now, it, that, that uh, certification process doesn't exist. People don't even know about that or, or in Africa or in Asia. Um, but um, but it's really important what you say because I mean the critical thing is that we don't need to consume what can harm an animal, uh, and but uh, so far uh, people don't know yet, and the, the, those organizations they don't show exactly where are those animals coming from. I mean I I I heard about problems in in United United uh, Arabian Emirates. You say that in English, right? Yeah, same. Um, same. Yeah, so so uh, I went there and they couldn't explain the origin of the penguins they have um, because they, they kind of, for example, uh, 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 to give you an example, um, uh, the penguins that they breed here where I am now, Magellanic penguins, when the winter comes, they go to the north. They go to Uruguay and Brazil. They go to other, other countries. So some of them, they get sick or oiled, and then they go to the coast and they get, uh, they get rehabilitated. Uh, so they spend there a couple of months. And, and, and Japan and, and China, they have been tempting these rehabilitation centers with money so they can buy those penguins when they are under rehabilitation. And they kind of invent, they say, oh, the penguins cannot be released back in the wild. So they cheat, they cheat the system. And the more we look for information, the more data we get. Like I met a guy who was, who was a pilot and he was... I mean, he was the pilot of a plane that was taking penguins to Asia. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's why we, we, I want to use the money that I received with this award to, to find out 
how big is the problem? What if you're touring Argentina or visiting Argentina? Is there any way that you can uh, support your project, visit the penguins? So we work in different in different colonies here in Argentina, but uh, we film in one location that is very special uh, for us and also for, for visitors. This is a colony that we we discovered uh, in 2008, and there were six penguins, six six pairs, sorry, six pairs of penguins. But it was the 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 place was a mess. There were reckless people and careless fishermen that they would throw. They were throwing garbage and setting the bushes where the penguins were. Penguins were nesting in fire. They were taking pests that were harming the penguins. And the penguins, when they they establish a new colony, the, most of them are really they're young individuals, so they're prospecting. And if they don't like the place, they will never come back. Uh, so we saw the need to really do something. So we closed the gate. Uh, uh, because uh, we needed to do the, something immediately, and there were no legal uh, um, tools to to be implemented to protect the colony immediately. So we we closed the gate, and and then we have many many issues. The fishermen were coming with glue, and they put the glue on the on the lockers of the gates, so we couldn't go in. <laughs> so uh, then they, they were coming with guns and many other issues. But the good news is that. The, the, as time passed by, the penguins started to like the place. And, and now, uh, remember, there were six, and now there are almost 1,800 pairs. And then we also help the owners to develop a, an ecotouristic operation uh, so people can go there, like visitors that can go there, they can stay uh, because there's a very nice house where you can stay. It's a very small-scale operation because there's a small colony. Uh, and 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 the people go there. They contribute with the tourism. They the those that ecotouristic uh, activity gave jobs to almost ten uh, people, local people. People are enjoying. Local people have jobs, and penguins are really happy. Keep up the great work, Poppy. Okay, thank you, thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward to continue collaborating with World Nomads because this is a great partnership. Links to Poppy or Pablo's work in show notes. Now, Rafa Mayer is the founder of Sehekwe. It's a company hosting tours in Argentina and Chile. And Ellen from World Nomads caught up with Rafa in Argentina to pick his brains on some of the places to visit, including his favourites. My favourite place on earth is Patagonia. So my heart is there. I really enjoy southern Patagonia. Southern Patagonia is basically the glacier area, which is the Calafate and the Perito Moreno Glacier. But it's also a, a place that is like three hours north from there that is called Chalten. And it's a great place for trekking. It's a trekking paradise. Uh, it's where the Fitzroy Mount is. And it's amazing for trekking. And it's, uh, it's one of the places I really recommend for everybody loving outdoors. And also Ushuaia, that is uh, the southernmost city in the world. And it's, uh, it's a really special place in which you actually feel that you are at the end of the world. So, so those are really special places. Patagonia would be my, my first choice visiting Argentina because when you're in Patagonia, you kind of feel that you're in a different place. I mean, everything is so huge and so intense and so dramatic. So it's a kind of beauty that I enjoy very much. Yeah, I was in Ushuaia myself, but I haven't been to Patagonia yet or the, the Calafate area. Gotta go. Next time. Yes, next time. I know.
so is there any are there any destinations that are kind of like emerging that that um, where that people may not have ever heard of that you want to would like to, to tell people about yes um, I th- the north of Argentina uh, the north west of Argentina was kind of not so much explored um, and it's becoming much more well known now now that is the Salta area that is um, northwest of Argentina in the limit with Chile and south and south of Bolivia uh, that's maybe the most uh, Andean area that we have I mean the, the Andean culture there is much more is really really in every single detail so the Andean culture is very strong uh, landscape is beautiful great wines people are the best uh, and it's and it's uh, it's prepared to to receive uh, tourists and travelers that are willing for something really authentic and these are all great great quality of small and charming hotels and uh, beautiful small and charming restaurants as well so it's kind of uh, that kind of place which uh, has a lot of magic um, how about wildlife? I mean, uh, I know that compared to, say, the Amazon, it is not as not much known for wildlife, but where, where do you recommend that people who want to see wildlife should go? So, basically, I, I would say that the, most, the two most unique places for, for see wildlife would, would be, on one hand, if we are talking about uh, water wildlife, um, we can talk about the, Patagonia, the Atlantic Patagonia, that is Peninsula Valdez, uh, where you can find a lot of whales and sea lions and orcas and penguins. Everybody loves penguins, so it's a, it's a really, <laughs> they're so cute. Okay, so there are a lot of water wildlife there, uh, aquatic wildlife, so it's really, really beautiful place to be in touch with the, with the wildlife in their environment. I wanted to see if there's anything that you think that people just shouldn't miss when they come here. If you are, if you like meat, that's really uh, something that uh, that you will enjoy a lot here, uh, as well as if you like wine. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think that you cannot miss when uh, you cannot leave Buenos Aires without having a kind of any kind of experience with tango. Uh, as much immersive the experience is, much better. Cool. And of course. Talk to people. Yes. Uh, I think here in Argentina we are very open and we like speaking speaking with uh, with foreigners and people that are visiting us. So so don't miss the chance to to open to that because uh, I think it's a good reward. Links to Sehekwe in show notes and well done, Ellen. Our she's almost our cub reporter. That's it, raving reporter. Yeah, Phil, we've hit the end of our episode on Argentina, so let's wrap up on your with your quiz question. Yeah, just to remember, in honour of the World Cup being held in Russia, Argentina is one of the most successful footballing teams in the world. But when was the last time they won they won the World Cup? Nineteen eighty six. Although you may have said twenty fourteen, they were runners up. They were in the final there. They've they've been uh, they've been runners. Runners up three times, 1930, 1990, and 2014, but they've won it twice, 1978 
1986. Argentinians take their football very seriously. Yeah, let's see how they go this time around. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast on Argentina. You can subscribe, rate, share on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Contact us too by emailing podcast at worldnomads.com. And our next destination in a fortnight will be Finland. But, Phil, next week we launch something very special. Guess, Bonus episodes. Yes, don't go anywhere. Uh, don't go anywhere, everybody. I've got to tell you that we love delivering our fortnightly World Nomads uh, destination-based pop podcasts. But while there are so many great destinations in the world, there are equally some amazing people doing amazing things within it. So each fortnight, we're going to bring you an extended interview with an amazing world nomad as bonus episodes. And we're kicking off with an Australian, Sarah Davis, and she's preparing to be the first woman to paddle the length of the Nile. Cool. Look out for that next week. Bye. Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.